Guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. There's no secret that Dubai is known as one of the shopping destinations in the world. Um, lately, it's getting known for gastronomy, but in the history of Dubai, it's been very much the place where uh, people would come to shop, whether it's from the east, the west, or anywhere people would come to shop, uh, big or small in the world, all the great brands. Uh, it's just really a shopper's paradise in many ways. And um, of late, there's been a real acceleration in e-commerce. Um, and uh, this conversation this week is more about the agency services and the branding content uh, the branding and around shopping and around the retail, uh, the service industry around shopping as well. Um, the the agency that's come on are a good Dubai success story, sort of um, six seven years in. And uh, if you do like this conversation, we we have interviewed a few other founders of agencies in the past, uh, PR comms agencies. Uh, we had Anishka uh, Jahani. Uh, on the show a few weeks ago from Yardstick Marketing. We've had Katie Harvey from QCOMS. Um, and more in this sort of space, we had Nick Walsh from uh, VML YNR Geometry uh, Shopping Agency. Uh, but today's conversation is quite an in-depth one from a very experienced and, and um, ex expert uh, expertise in the shopping section. Uh, so enjoy the conversation. Welcome back to another episode of the Dubai Works Business Podcast. This week, we are joined by the CEO of Liquid, Sachin Lala. So Liquid are homegrown UAE brand. They are the first, they're the first of its kind in the Middle East. So a fully uh, dedicated commerce agency and company. Uh, and they began to expand globally as well into Eastern Europe and soon the UK. Uh, so we're going to talk a lot about the origins of Liquid. This is very much a sort of an e-commerce play, uh, and we'll talk a lot about sort of advertising and, and e-commerce sector in the UAE. And then we'll talk about the uh, plans for the future. So good morning, Sachin. Hi, Rich. Good morning. Thank you for having me here. Thanks for joining. Uh, pleasure to talk to you today. Uh, so yeah, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how, how Liquid came about? Sure. Uh, so my name is Sachin Lala. I'm an ex-banker. I moved to the region in 2004, uh, joined Standard Chartered here before moving into moving into marketing um, and advertising per se. First company was Fortune Promo 7. Uh, post that moved to a company called Sachin Sachi, which everyone should know. Um, and post that was Liquid. But it's primarily a shift between banking and advertising. Um, advertising and marketing has always been a frontier when it comes to Middle East. Um, it's it's not new to the region at all. And I think moving from banking to advertising was a massive shift. But when that happened between Fortune Promo 7 and Saatchi and Saatchi, 
I gathered about, I would say, 12 to 14 years of advertising experience. Um, so, you know, that was my past life before Liquid came about. Um, Liquid, I think Liquid was, was a transformation of what the region always spoke about, which is retail. Um, a region that talks about retail so heavily that we bring the entire world here when it comes to DSF, DSS. Uh, you know, we are we are a city and we are a country of shopping festivals. And for some reason, the advertising industry really didn't pay a lot of attention to the retail sector. It was always about brand building. It was always about uh, the brilliant brand messages, telling a brand story. Um, it wasn't focused purely on retail. It was an overall marketing and overall communication message. Um, 2016, uh, me and my business partner, Coleman Shield, set up Liquid. We both were at Saatchi at that time. Um, and Saatchi and Saatchi was doing very well. They were focusing on, you know, the main line, as you would say, above the line communication. Um, and the focus really was how do we tell a brilliant brand story? They did a good job of it. But, you know, Coleman and me both felt that there was a need uh, in the region that focused so heavily on retail for an agency to focus on commerce. And that's when Liquid was born. Um, we've been in existence for six years now. August 7th would be our sixth year um, in business. And when we started off Liquid, it was very clear. It was, we won't really divulge. We won't just chase money. You know, those things are required as you set up a business here. But it was very clear on we want to set up an agency that focuses and caters towards commerce, that focuses and caters towards retail. Um, you know, it's it's just ironic that it's not happened before. And that's what we started doing. So when we spoke about retail, again, we didn't distinguish between, hey, are we buying the same product offline or are we buying the same product online? Because again, an end consumer does not distinguish that. Uh, you want a toothbrush or you want a shampoo. You're not really worrying about you picking that up from a Carrefour or whether you're picking that up from an Insta shop or ordering it on Amazon. You're just going by your daily life and you're ordering the product. And that's what we wanted to kind of establish with Liquid is really not distinguish the channels, but you know, have an entire offering that focused on that entire shopping experience, purely focused on the shopping experience and not really worrying about the overall brand communication that was coming out of most of the top agencies at that time. Interesting, fascinating. Great to hear this type of story as well. There's some common threads that people can listen and learn from. So there's a career shift um, and then uh, ex, you know, working with kind of global agency names and brands and then uh, finding a partner to set up something and then the, the sort of entrepreneurial journey you've been on. So I might sort of break them down a little bit in case we miss some, but can you just talk a little bit about the shift from banking to agency? Was it because you uh, you you were creative and you understood commerce and brands or was it more that you were on the commercial side and you just understood business dynamics? So I think it was a bit of both. Uh, banking was interesting. Um... It was what I did in India. Uh, so obviously when I came here, I wanted to do something that I already knew. Um, you don't want to go to a foreign country, learn a new industry at, all at the same time. Banking was a good start. Um, but 
I think the more I spend time in banking, banking is very functional, it's very commercial, You, it's repeat. Uh, and by nature, I get bored. And I thought, why don't we go to an industry that will teach me something new every week? That's what happens in advertising. I mean, I've been in the business for about 18 years, but even today I hear something new every week. Uh, you have to learn, you have to relearn, you have to forget everything that you've done. And it's not monotonous. Um, I think some of the other industries have that problem where it becomes monotonous over a period of time. Whereas, I mean, you're in the media field as well. You know, every interview is different. Every day is different. It comes up with different challenges and you have to look for different solutions because what you would have applied yesterday might not be applicable today. So that was the entire reason, reason to shift. Uh, the shift obviously was painful because, you know, you're going to a new industry, don't know anything about it, you learn. Um, so I wanted to move to an agency that had a banking account. So I would know something of the terminology that people would speak and my client would be a banker. So I would relate to what, uh, you know, what they were talking about. Uh, that was the plan. Um, I joined a smaller setup and I think in two months they lost the business, not because of me, but the agreement never got signed. And as it turned out, I, I ended up managing a real estate uh, company, Imar. Uh, so that was my first advertising account. Um, so we learned something new. And that was my journey with a smaller setup, couple of years, then moved to FP7. FP7 was great. Again, Imar was the business. Um, Dubai Mall was just launching at that time. And, you know, we were all busy getting everything done. So it was a massive shift from, you know, banking to, I would say, advertising. But again, advertising is you learn on the job. You you have to have an open mind and you learn on the job and you relearn on the job every week. And as long as you're able to do and progress and you're open to change, uh, I think it's a fantastic industry to get into. We have people from all walks of life, all nationalities, all different backgrounds, educational, professional, and they are able to crack it. Um, and that's what makes this industry exciting because you don't really meet a set of people that have the same background. Uh, I'm an ex-banker. My, my, my colleague is out and out creative. You know, he's gone to uh, an art school. So, you know, it's, it's just that you bring that all together and you're able to kind of provide a product to your end client uh, that kind of helps them tell that brand story. Yeah, fascinating. And it's good to hear it so clearly that, you know, because people who did, who do shift careers, there is a headspace shift. You know, I had a little one from agencies to media publishing and you've got to sort of adapt. And, you know, obviously banking and advertising is a little bit more stark, especially when you're sort of in your career. But can you talk a little bit about, and you kind of touched on it, just for those who mightn't know the industry or come from the advertising industry, but from FP7 and Sachi and Sachi in Dubai over 12 years from 2004 to 2016, while the city literally was built. Can you kind of give anecdotes or just a, an overview of what it was like being a professional in that space at that time? Uh, and what type of industry was it? You know, the kind of ups and downs and everything that you went through. It's, I mean, it, it was a fantastic journey. Dubai has always been fascinating. Um, we all know the 2008 crash that happened, so everyone was worried. Uh, it's just overnight, and, and that's what the industry brings, right? Because 
you you manage 80% of real estate clients, market crashes, you're like, okay, no more real estate. Now we are talking to F FMCG. Now we are talking to, uh, you know, electronic guys because that's where the business is. And then you change from talking square foot to, hey, how many products I can sell to you? And that's what you, you know, the more you're open to it, uh, the more you are, you know, you're able to learn. Obviously, the first few years, I think anyone who comes here, I don't know why that is, but it's just the first few years we're always thinking of, hey, can we go back home? Uh, I still remember Saatchi and Saatchi was launching uh, Dubai Metro and I was part of the team and Metro was getting launched in 2009 and I was laughing saying, I'm going to be out of here by then. 2009, five years away, I'm not here. I'm never going to see this Metro. Metro launched, I said, okay, one more year, I'm out. And, you know, it's 12 years later, I'm very much here, not going anywhere. Um, it's That's what the city does to you. And I think people... I think more more and more people are having access to news and they're having access to global reports. I think we just need to kind of look at what's ahead of us, uh, put your best foot forward. The industry is the industry. You will have up and down. Any industry has the same thing. And I think what is exciting again is the fact that it's an industry where you can learn on the job. You know, if you were a doctor, a lawyer, you don't get that opportunity. You need to have an education background to get there. I, I, you randomly can't show up at a hospital saying, okay, I'm going to be a doctor tomorrow morning. But you can do that with media. You can do that with marketing because you can learn the job and you can... A lot of people who have excelled at the job have no background with media and marketing, but they still have because it's a job where you use your gut, you use your intuitive uh, knowledge and you kind of get on with it uh, the ups and downs have always been there. I mean, every time today I was reading a news about uh, Dubai having the best real estate month over 13 years. So people who have been here forever have had a lot of ups and downs and you see constant news on, hey, this is it. Dubai is being written off and you're like, no, we come back and we come back with a bang like, you know. It was all the talk of oh, after COVID, we're going to see a slump. Co uh, sorry, after Expo, we're going to see a slump. Okay, COVID finished. It's not finished. It's going on. Expo is finished. We're having the best month uh, in 13 years. So basically, the city is giving you the opportunity. I think uh, from everyone that who's been here for a long time knows that the more you're persistent, eventually it kind of works out. And People who are willing to kind of put that effort in, changing in industry is not rocket science. You were not born to work in a certain industry. You just happen to get there either by college or you happen to get there because that's what your family member knew or, you know, you happen to know the boss that, but you were not born to do that role. So learning a new, uh, learning a new industry is not, is not difficult at all. You just follow what you think is right. And if you're in your 20s and early 30s, I mean, there's nothing that you can't achieve. It's possible. That's pretty inspirational. It's good advice as well. Yeah, that you can learn on the job. Um, but you, Sachin, so you worked in, uh, you know, well-known creative agencies on the biggest brands in, in Dubai in, in um, an industry, you know, the creative agencies kind of started here in, in the late 90s and uh, the biggest brands in the world were there and the creative industry is obviously one that sort of went through change. Uh, but, you know, so the question really is, um, 
sometimes people say in, in agency and in client service world that there's almost like a ceiling or a cap in your career, sort of 10, 15 years, and then um, you either set up your own agency or something like that. Is that something that you had in mind? Or when did the thought, you know, I know you touched on it on the commerce side at the start, but were there times during that career that you were thinking, ah, oh, I'm learning from these guys. I'm, I'm learning from, uh, I'm learning from what my work. Uh, one day I, I would, I think I could do this. And, and how did you, you know, uh, and the partner as well, because it's often hard to find a co-founder, especially in the creative industry, uh, even more so, I think, than the startup world. Um, so, yeah, did you have, did you plan it or did it just happen? So I, I think the good part is um, neither Coleman or me are overthinkers. We we are very intuitive people. We just go by the flow. I don't think... So I come from a business family uh, back home. And when I came here, started working, I never wanted to set up my own business. That's the truth. I was very happy being an employee. Uh, FP7 was a brief stint. Uh, Saatchi and Saatchi was a much longer stint. It was a fantastic brand to be associated with. You could just walk around and say hey, you work for Saatchi and Saatchi, that itself kind of got you into the room and said, hey, thanks, please come in. Um, I don't think it was ever a plan. Um, I had a fantastic boss when I actually left. Um, Adil Khan, I was having a fantastic journey with Saatchi, uh, brilliant colleagues, uh, business was good. I think the only thing um, that the bigger guys and, you know, no they are driven by numbers and they're not driven by numbers because they want to be, they're answerable to shareholders and the shareholder says, Hey, this is what needs to be delivered. And everyone's chasing to get that delivered. So at times everyone's looking at what's ahead because the year, year ahead is important. You're not really thinking about five years ahead because you are thinking of how do I deliver the numbers on the next two years? Sachi was a good story. Um, um, you know, as I was doing a lot of ATL or above the line work, Saatchi used to have a small division called Saatchi X, uh, which focused a little bit more about retail uh, compared to the normal, you know, normal setups that all advertising agencies do. That's where I happened to meet Coleman. He was already part of the setup, um, doing very well. Uh, and I, I had an opportunity of moving to Singapore with Saatchi on, on a Proctor business. Um, and I remember I actually went to my boss's room and I said, hey, I'm packing up. I think I'm taking the Singapore opportunity. I'm not very happy about the MTR, but I'll do without not being able to drive a car for a few months. And uh, I think it's time to pack up. And he said, why are you going? Are you bored? What's going on? And I said, ATL has been good. You have been brilliant to me. Sachi has been great. I want something new. And he said, okay, if you want something new, why are you changing cities to want something new? Let me give you uh, Sachi X. Um, Coleman's already here. Try and run this with him, see what you feel. It's very different from everything you have learned for the last, you know, seven, eight years. Um, try it. And that, that's where the journey on, on this whole retail and shopper marketing started because Saatchi X focused on that. And a couple of years into Saatchi X, it was very evident that all the groups were focusing on what's ahead and most of the groups, 98%, 99% of their business was above the line media, uh, digital, you know, all the other stuff. So Shopper wasn't really a, a focus per se. Again, um, 
it's not what they wanted to do it's just what they had to chase at that time to meet that number and as we kind of got into the era of there was a little bit of e-commerce discussion happening in 2015 um, and Coleman and me both spoke about it and you know at that time my boss also told me the same thing he said hey you're doing offline why are you not looking at online why don't you you know consider that uh, so as we got into the e-commerce space it became more evident that we need a retail setup we need an agency that focuses on overall commerce uh, offering that does everything from offline to online um, and at that time we felt that walking away was the best thing to do to try and do this because it needed a lot of freedom it needed a lot of uh, intuitive you know in investment from our own side to kind of see is this going to work because there was no proven model uh, and because there was no proven model it was very hard to go back to your boss saying hey trust me and he would say you're telling me the entire city hasn't done it and you want to crack it it's not possible like the entire city didn't have a commerce agency we are talking of the biggest groups uh, and you know they had some commerce offering but it was very very small or it was insignificant um, Sachi X also was doing all right while well, we weren't doing extremely well so there was no uh, history there was no kind of uh, knowledge to say yes this will work uh, or hey this is what the history shows us and there is potential uh, and that's where, you know, the best way to do that was to walk away. Um, it was really at the spur of the moment. I still remember in in January or February, we were having this discussion of 2016 and I went up to Coleman. Coleman was my creative lead at in Saatchi X. So, you know, we both spoke a lot. And I said, you know, why don't we go ahead and set up an agency separately that focuses on commerce? Uh, let's see if we can make this work. Um, and to be honest, I spoke to a few other people and they were hesitant because again, no, there was no proof of performance, right? So everyone's a bit, okay, maybe I think we spoke to a couple of other guys as well and they were going to be part of it, but they didn't want to quit their day jobs. They wanted to do this as a side gig and um, Coleman was the only guy. He said, hey, dude, I agree with you. Let's do it. Uh, we, you know, we said, why don't we try this together and come up with it? And that's what happened. So there was no planning i don't think anyone was thinking about this for years or months i would say not even months uh, february the idea came and uh, we said okay in march april i quit so it wasn't like there was no planning per se it was just okay this is the right thing to do let's give it a shot maximum what's the best that will happen you'll go back and look for a job a year later um, and i was 36 at the time and i said okay you know what, let's just take it a gamble. Let's let's do this. Amazing. Cool. Good story. So I want to touch a little bit more uh, in a second on the commerce uh, in the UAE, Astra. Uh, but just so, Stan, how has it gone? What, what sort of uh, type of company are you today, six years later? And what's your service op offering? You know, is it sort of um, traditional retail, sort of bricks and mortar, point of sale? Um, activations in terms of brand brand advertising. When when we're talking about e-commerce, how in the weeds do you get? Are you um, sort of uh, managing e-commerce portals, marketplaces? Are you doing the digital um, paid performance stuff? Um, and what are your full services? Okay, so 
we started off as let's do retail let's focus on the offline business which is shopper marketing and obviously e-commerce with that was linked but at the time in 2016 it was uh, when it came to the offline business it is we'll do all your creative uh, you go to someone else to do the actual production of that creative uh, creating the stands and stuff like that again it was it was a bit of a learning and it was a bit of uh, education from the client side as well because there was no commerce agency. So when you spoke to a client and said, hey, we are a commerce agency, they said, oh, what does that mean? What are you doing differently from the agency that I work with today? And how do we kind of differentiate that? So we started off focusing very much on, we will help you in the offline space, uh, anything to do with, so I would say 99% of our business is CPG or FMCG. So we are very focused on the offline retailers, Carrefour, Lulu, etc. And in parallel, the conversation was when you are selling in the offline space, you should also be selling in the online space when it came to an Amazon, or at that time it was Souk, uh, you know, or Lulu or Carrefour online. Uh, you know, it was, that was the offering at that time saying, let me help you design the creative for the offline world and let me help you design the creative in the online world. That's where we started. How we have evolved in the last six years is immense. Today, we are a full commerce agency. Um, we, I have a chief strategy officer, Richard Nickel, who actually, um, going back a little bit of topic, who started Saatchi X in the region in 2008. Uh, and that's he's the guy who bought Coleman on board. So we brought him back from Asia. And then we expanded our entire offering to basically mean that we went from just doing the creative uh, in the offline online world to doing the entire. So if you came to us today, we would do a go to market strategy on how you would take your product from packaging to the market. We would talk to the retailers and help you list. Uh, we would create the actual branding or creative material to get you in the store. So that's one part. When you go to the digital or e-commerce level, we would help you list with the e-retailer we would create all the marketing material we would list the product for you and last year we also started e-distribution which means that we we will also ship the product for you to the retailer so if you were a new brand and you came to the region and said i want to sell on amazon we would be able to do everything for you from creating the packaging to listing the product to actually shipping the product to the retailer and then post that pushing the sale so the only part that we don't pay, play heavily on today is the media part, um, only because we feel like, you know, you have a lot of global agreements and we work with a lot of multinational world-class brands that have global agreements. So we don't want to kind of get into the weeds there. But outside the media realm, anything to do with commerce, uh, from thinking, creative, to the execution, to post-execution on what people are thinking about your product uh, can we help you generate a rating and review can we even help you ship the product if you have a distributor that's not focused on the e-commerce business so everything to do with offline online uh, that so we don't really classify as events or uh, posm we we understand what the problem is if the client says that i have a new product that no one has tested then obviously the process would be is get them listed, create uh, enough shoppable material to be put in the store 
do an event in the store so that people are able to sample the product and then with the online world do the exact same thing create the marketing material get them listed get them visible ensure that you're winning on search so the parameters changes depending on which channel you work on but uh, we have grown to about 110 people uh, today uh, in six years we speak about 22 languages which means that you know we can we can talk to anyone across the world when it comes to the e-retailer world and what we normally do is we will take that entire problem from the re from the client and then we can help them solve it so we have evolved in the last six years uh, we use a lot of science but we also have a brilliant art team and there's instinct we have learned things in the last six years things that we should be doing things that we shouldn't be doing so that we are able to offer an offering that is an overall commerce. It's not just linked to, hey, we do creative uh, because, you know, COVID was unfortunate, but COVID also brought in a lot of competition, which is good. But the competition also focuses on the creative part of it. Uh, that, I think, should be part of the service. But today we are so much more than just creative because we do the thinking, we do uh, the pre-planning before the creative comes into place, then do the creative and then obviously do the entire execution part which most people um, suffer and they have a challenge with because the execution especially when it comes to the e-commerce world is very complex because there are a lot of moving parts at the same time so looking at something on a powerpoint presentation and saying this will get implemented tomorrow morning is is not right because the channel does not distinguish between rich and Sachin. The channel is the channel. It's it's a you're talking to a computer. So the computer doesn't distinguish whether you're a multinational brand or a brand next door. As long as you understand how that system works, you understand uh, how to play with the search keywords, you understand how to go live, the system will treat you well. So the system does not distinguish between how what your brand legacy is versus a new brand. You just need to know how to use that system. And that's where uh, we play very heavily on. Uh, we have about 40, 50 merchandising guys who focus on that part. Again, it looks very simple, but it's very complex. If you don't come up on search on Amazon, no one's going to buy you because you're just not coming up on search. And, and those are the smaller things that you need to keep in mind as you do the work. Creative is creative, but post that, how do you use that creative? How do you help tell that story? How you're able to utilize the full functionalities of an offline world, online world, and marry both together uh, is where we come at. It is a little bit difficult because even the client side today, most of these channels are separated. The offline world is being taken care of by the trade marketing team. The online world is sitting with the digital guys. But again, the reality is that it's a commerce channel. You can say offline, online, but it's commerce is commerce. You, you can't distinguish what you're buying. Interesting. Um, fascinating. A few things kind of came to mind as you were speaking. One sort of quickish question is that, um, you know, you, you described, say, 90% of your business is FMCG or uh, that type of retail. But it sounds like what you do can uh, help all uh, retail, you know, all, um, you know, apparel or, or premium luxury brands, anyone who has a store, uh digitally or physically, uh, this can apply to, right? Absolutely. So I think I think what it is, is when we started Liquid, 
our first business was Procter, uh, Procter and Gamble. So that's what I did at Saatchi, um, and that's what Coleman did at Saatchi. So intuitively, as we progressed, we went to world-class brands, and it went from one FMCG to another FMCG to another FMCG. We never, actually personally, because I do the new business in the office, I never focused on a non-FMCG client because we just knew the industry in and out. We knew what we were talking about. But we've started working with non-FMCG clients as well. We're doing a couple of electronic brands today. The process is the same. Um, but at the end of the day, the requirements change uh, industry to industry. Um, CPG has very... It's, it is fast moving. The, the thing of FMCG is true because every second week there's a new product launch. Something's getting delisted. Something's getting listed again. So you need to have a lot of local nuances to play with that. When it comes to electronics or apparel, especially when you talk to the multinational guys, a lot of that story is driven from Globe. The Global sends you stuff, you reuse it. So the localization is not as much because you don't have, let's take an iPhone, you don't have a Middle East version of the iPhone. You have an iPhone with some tweaks of, of Middle East. So to your answer, I don't think we need to be stuck to FMCG. It's just that's how the business grew. You focused on what's ahead of you. But 100% now we are talking to other uh, industries as well that don't really only do FMCG. FMCG is our bread and butter. We know what we are talking about. Um, electronics is what we are getting into now. Apparel would be the next. We are also in conversation with some apparel brands. So again, it's not like we are, it's just how the business grew organically. So we never really looked very hard outside the industry. It makes sense how you explain it like that. And it sounds like it's been organic growth as well. Um, I'll just uh, explain for the listeners, fast moving consumer goods and consumer packaged goods. So things that they purchase, uh, doing their shopping and things like that yeah um and and such and so in dubai how would you describe let's talk a little bit about e-commerce but in general in e-commerce i guess it was a later um market than the rest of the world per se but then it sort of exploded and then you've got the you know a lot of the delivery apps and things like that the utility type commerce that type of shopping um, but also, you know, I've just arrived in Paris and it's just very evident what a different uh, retail experience in terms of boutique stores and malls are as well. So Dubai is different in many ways, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, that's exactly why the birth of liquid, right? Dubai is a retail or this region, not only Dubai, I would say this region yeah. focuses on retail, whether you talk Saudi, whether you talk UAE. We love our retail. We love our shopping. We are unapologetic about it. You know, people say, oh, you are, you are bought into consumerism and you are buying a lot of stuff. But I'm not, you know, I'm proud about it. We like our products. We like going to the store. This is our national, you know, this is our national hobby. We like shopping. And, and that's, and not only us, we call the entire world saying, Hey, when you want to shop, please come to Dubai or we please come to the region and we'll get you the best products at the best value at the best experience. Uh, you know, you are no offense to Europe. I love shopping in Europe, but you can't compare the experience. I mean, the shops are wow. I walked into a store the other day and in, in the middle of the store, I saw an installation that had nothing to do with the store. It was just an experience. And that's what the region's always been about. It's been about, you know, a retail 
exhibition. It's, it's wonderful. It's larger than life. And, and what happened, unfortunately, COVID happened. And we have, we have a fantastic infrastructure. I mean, most of us have two mobile phones. Our internet penetration is through the roof. Uh, so all this while, uh, when I came to Dubai in 2004, we loved going to the mall. Uh, I still remember the first six months what you did. At that time, it was city center. I went for a movie, went and ate, uh, hung around, put on a lot of weight, as you can see. But it, it was all, okay, let's go to the mall. What else do you do? What do you do in summer? Well, that's what we do. And as retail progressed, we just got used to it. We went to the mall, we shopped there. So we never really thought of buying anything online because we were already going to the mall. So we said, hey, while we are there, why don't we just shop something else? Or why don't we shop our groceries? Uh, Carrefour's biggest um, retail store is in Mall of the Emirates. It's in the middle of the best mall this side of town has to offer. You're buying groceries. It, it's... I think if not their top selling, it's their second most used store across the city in a shopping mall. That tells you what uh, our region thinks about shopping. We, we love our shopping experiences and we don't limit it to just shopping in apparel or, or electronic in the mall. We want to go to the mall to even shop our groceries eat. Uh, now even, you know, you can go to a minutes and fix your watch in a shopping mall. So that's what we consider our retail experience. E-commerce was, e-commerce was always there. It was always a very natural progression because we had the infrastructure. We were always ready. It was just because we were so used to going into the store, we never really bothered so much to looking online. Uh, again, unfortunately, COVID happened. And people looked at the channel a lot more seriously than they had in the past. And we have found a way to make the e-commerce shopping experience fun to some extent. Uh, we, we tried to replicate what we were offering in the offline store in terms of sales, in terms of, hey, buy one, get one free, in terms of the shopping experience in the online world. So we love our convenience. I mean, the fact that Kafu gets us petrol home when our petrol station is just next door just shows you, you know, the city loves our convenience and e-commerce plays right into it. It's it's convenient, it's safe, it gets delivered, you can exchange, uh, send it back the next day. So it was always going to happen. It's just, um, it happened all together because of COVID. And now that people have gotten used to it, they have created their IDs. They have created, they have put in their bank accounts and they've put in their credit cards. Uh, you can see the, the numbers are just baffling. It's just increasing. I think today the channel actually needs a little bit of slowdown because we have accelerated so fast that we don't have enough talent uh, to go by what, I mean, simple things like we don't have enough pickers to go to the market and pick up the product that you're actually purchasing. So we have accelerated a bit too fast uh, for us to kind of bring that logistical support. Uh, that's why you have all the apps popping up and you have all these technologies that coming up. But I think by next year, it'll settle down. It, it's the same way. The offline retail has settled down because we've been in business for so long. We know what works. We know what doesn't work. We know what our people like. Uh, we kind of understand how to bring that experience. I think the online world is still learning. Um, E-commerce accelerated it, uh, 
uh, what we were going to do in six years, we have done in two years. And the numbers have just blown out of proportion. So neither, neither are we infrastructurally ready from a uh, logistical standpoint, not from a internet or data standpoint. I think this city does a fantastic job of providing you excellent uh, internet and excellent capabilities, but the infrastructure needs a little bit of work uh, because it's just ballooned a lot more than it should have. And I think as we progress, it'll settle down. Uh, you know, I think again, retail is, we love it. Uh, there's no reason for yeah. us to kind of, there's no reason for us to kind of even look at e-commerce differently than our offline world. It's just how do we marry both? It's not one against the other. Uh, we are not trying to, there is, uh, there is some cannibalization. Yes, I agree. But at the end of the day, if you are providing the right experience in the store, uh, I would still love to go to the store and buy something if it's a high value product or if it's a product I want to try. But if you're able to marry that from an offline, online product purchase, uh, where I'm able to do a bit of both, um, you know, I, I think the future of retail is very bright here. We had only one channel before, now we have two. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, you explained it really well. I clearly know the industry really well. I think sometimes when people say we love shopping, we have to justify it as a bad thing. But no, it, it you know, it, it, it is, um, you know, obviously important to how the world works and how people's livelihoods are. Um, I think, Sachin, I just wanted to comment on something you were saying in terms of Dubai as well. You know, yes, it celebrates from a marketing point of view, these shopping festivals, but actually um, it, with sort of the visionary uh, real estate developers such as Imar and Majraf Fatem, et cetera, and you add on top Arabian hospitality, you, come up, you get this sort of unique experience and it's nowhere else in the world really has it to that extent and and then um you know uh on the e-commerce side uh the unit economics for uh e-commerce companies in the middle east is better than anywhere else in the world to do with um you know labor and, and, and different types of dynamics and speed and infrastructure and regulation um it's a shining light and like people will say that uh, people will try and pick out negatives, but actually um, anything that's a negative in the region is actually a global tech uh, negative thing that everyone needs to work on. The regulation issues in the US are the same as uh, here. And what you've just brought up is a good point in terms of um, things happening faster and slower, which is so interesting. Uh, but yeah, it's fascinating. But I, as you said, there's two things and there's two things that the region can add their own element of which can make it compete globally. Uh, I want to kind of move on a little bit because uh, running out of time, but uh, talking about, you know, the, the, you mentioned that there wasn't an agency like yours in 2016. Has that landscape changed? Uh, you know, I th we had um, Nick Walsh from uh, VML YNR Geometry on uh, a year ago or so, and they're, they're a sort of a shopping agency as well our commerce agency, um, has it evolved a lot? Uh, are there more and more? Is it getting more innovative? And what would you, uh, how would you describe the, the competitive landscape and the status quo at the moment? I think first and foremost, uh, we're very happy that the landscape has changed because we don't start our first slide anymore. We have removed the slide that talks about the importance of commerce agencies. I think it's, it's brilliant that there are other guys in the market who are, you know, who are offering a setup where the clients are very clear on what they understand. 
I think the landscape was also forced to change because COVID didn't give anyone an opportunity not to be able to change. If you didn't change, you would, you know, you would be very left behind or you'd be a dying setup right now. So I think that landscape has changed. But I think still the landscape needs to evolve to a, to a level where, as I said, because the e-commerce setup has just ballooned and it has accelerated so fast, we are still learning. So unfortunately or fortunately, we have six years of learning. Uh, Nick has two years of learning because he was forced to start learning in COVID. Uh, someone else who's coming on board today has one year of learning. So the thing is the market is very unique. Uh, the landscape has changed. There are a lot more players who offer some similar services of what we offer today and that's good. But I think the thing is that they will take a little bit of time to understand the entire ecosystem. Uh, unfortunately, again, for, or I would say actually, the big thing on e-commerce is let's take a physical space. I want to put up something and I'll go back to Carrefour because that's my easiest reference. Uh, I have gone to Carrefour and I have gone and I have done an agreement. Carrefour has said, okay, I'm giving you two shelves. I have gone back to my agency saying, hey, dude, I have two shelves to dress up. Can you please dress it up or put the marketing material that you can on those two shelves? This is my label. This is what I'm putting in the store. I send one merchandiser to all the locations, he puts it up and then the person goes back and repeats. When it comes to e-commerce, which is a different channel, but same, we're offering the same product. I have to go to multiple retailers and sign the contracts because not necessarily the same offline guys have an online offer. So you sign the multiple contracts, then you go ahead and produce the material that's very different to e-commerce to what's offline. Then you go ahead and list, which is an entire process because the listing is Excel sheets. And it needs a lot of parameters from pricing, packaging, weight, uh, dimensions, which you don't need in the offline world. In the offline world, you need barcodes uh, and you need pricing and you need the, you might not even need the SKU name. You send it to the retailer and they would list it for you. The online world doesn't work that way. You have different parameters for the listing the same product. You have to fill a massive Excel sheet, put up that product and then list it. Once the listing is done, then you have to go back and monitor how the search is doing. Once the search is doing, then you have to go back and look at, hey, am I doing the right Amazon AMS? So I would say Amazon media spends. Am I investing in the right search keywords? Am I investing in the right? So there are so many moving parts that it's not humanly possible to learn this overnight. It's not a matter of not wanting to do it. It's just a matter of learning that through experience and that's what takes a bit of time so there are other setups who are doing a good job of it but i think they are still at a stage where they are learning the business uh, because they are you know one or two years old uh, i'm pretty sure in the rest you know as we progress uh, that will kind of uh, that will kind of equal but that pushes us as well uh, you know, as someone who has set up a commerce agency six years ago when uh, no one wanted to talk only commerce, uh, it's our responsibility to push forward because you don't want to be the person who set up the agency, who was the first to think about it and do it, but wasted the opportunity. So people, while people are progressing to where we were in 2020, we are now pushing forward to go ahead. So the, the race is on and we are happy with it. The landscape is brilliant. Uh, again, I think 
this was the vision of the landscape. A, a city and a country that loves their retail did not have a agency that focused on retail. And that has changed. We love our brand stories. I don't think that should change at all. That should continue. But we do need commerce agencies. I can't work with all the clients. There's competitive clauses. There is, there's a Coke and a Pepsi. I can't do both. Uh, so we, we need agencies that is able to offer the same because at the end of the day, a rich is shopping and he's shopping on an Insta shop or he's shopping on an Amazon. He wants that experience. That experience cannot be only be given by Pepsi. That experience has to be given by Pepsi and Coke and Procter and Unilever. Even though they are all competing with the same space, the shopping experience remains good. Rich comes back to shop more. Does not remain good. Rich feels you know, the experience is not great, I'm going to go back offline. So it's it's our responsibility to ensure that all the brands have a decent offering online across the agencies and that this landscape helps get everyone on par. Obviously, you know, everyone's trying to compete against each other and that's a good thing. You have to get up in the morning and have some problems in life. Otherwise, you know, you can't really just say, okay, I'm alone and this is it. Uh, it's not a good thing. Yeah, competitive. Exactly. It's part of uh, the dynamics of markets and uh, yeah, everything, the economy in general. Uh, cool. Just to finish up then on, on the region and emerging market and the opportunity. Um, it meant, you mentioned that at the top that you guys are expanding and you've kind of chosen Eastern Europe and the UK. Is there a reason for that? Uh, and would you look to the uh, expanding in the region as well? I think so. We've expanded in, in Saudi, obviously, uh, you know, considering everything lovely that Saudi is doing today. Um, I think from a brand storytelling perspective, uh, always this region has been considered the backwaters. So we have exported brand stories that were written in Europe or we were exporting brand stories written in North America. We obviously generated our own, but when we thought of the biggest brand story, we would say, hey, let's go to Europe or let's go to a North America agency. And we were doing more regional stuff. Um, unless you were working for uh, an agency working for Emirates, that's where you would be able to tell a global story. I think with commerce, we have the advantage and we have uh, the opportunity of telling a story from here because when you think of retail, if we are the pioneers of retail, which I truly believe this region is, compared to anywhere else in the world, our agencies, not only us, not only Liquid, our agencies should be able to tell global retail stories from here, not the other way around. And I think that is where uh, this region has that opportunity to export talent from here to the globe uh, and talk about retail specifically because this region has that expertise. If you were setting up uh, Blue Waters, which is the mall I know of in UK for forever, but if you were setting a bigger, um, you know, uh, equivalent of Dubai Mall in uh, in UK, or you were doing that in somewhere else in the world, you would think of Dubai Mall first and say, hey, can I get people from there who have done this, who have successfully brought in, you know, 25 million plus people in a year in a mall, how do we export that talent from here when it came to retail? The same conversation needs to happen even when it comes to a commerce agency of, hey, I am trying to set up a commerce agency in a different country. Where do I get the best talent? Can that talent be in Middle East? The answer is yes. Uh, we are excellent in offline retail. We are learning uh, from across the globe on how e-commerce is done and we are doing it successfully. 
I don't think there is a region where they are able to kind of do both equally well. I think this region has that talent. Uh, and I think the opportunity is for us to kind of export that talent from here uh, and, you know, show the world how retail is officially done as we are very good at it. Amazing. Well, it's really interesting listening to you today and uh, congratulations on the success of Liquid. It sounds like um, you guys are going to do things organically and just keep growing without too much planning, just with a lot of experience and a lot of expertise. Um, so well done to you and, and your partner and all the team at Liquid and we look forward to following the journey in the future. Thanks a lot, Rich, for having me here and for your time today. Okay, yeah, I think listening to that conversation, if you weren't from Dubai, I think you might be surprised at how advanced, um, not on one level that there aren't as many agencies here as, say, London or, or New York or elsewhere, but uh, just the expertise and how people have been here a long time and are spotting gaps in the market and setting up their own business. So fair play to Sachin and, and his team and what they've done. Uh, it was really interesting listening to him. Uh, thank you to Shahir and Ali, our producers in Dubai, who put this together. I'm actually recording this from Paris. Um, I'm here with uh, Team Emirates and we'll be watching the Tour de France on Sunday. Uh, so really looking forward to that. But uh, we wanted to get the episode out this week and uh, we will again every week at 11 o'clock on Fridays. Uh, there will be a pre-recorded one next week uh, that will go out. Uh, please do subscribe and share on any of the audio channels that you're listening on. Uh, and if you would like to watch the full episode, go on to smashy.tv uh, browser, uh, iOS, Android, or any of the smart TV devices as well. Uh, thank you and uh, we'll be back next week with another episode.